Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to More Than Amuse podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to More Than Amuse. I'm Stani. I'm Sadie, and happy holidays. Thanks for being here. We have a new woman artist that we're going to be focusing on today that I'm excited to focus on because not only is she the singer of an iconic Christmas song, But she also had a very prolific career other than this major Christmas song and achieved a pretty major record recently. So it's just it's very topical and just love that this all happened this year right when I was planning on talking about her anyways. So it kind of feels like written in the stars. It's It's perfect perfect timing, honestly. Mm -hmm. Week before Christmas, right? Yes. And then with all of this happening, just great what a wonderful thing i guess we could give everyone a heads up so Mm. we will have an episode the week of christmas it will not be coming out on christmas day (laughs) yeah oh even though that's a monday anyone to be listening (laughs) on christmas day we'll have that come out a little later that week and it won't be christmas themed it'll be just like end of year wrap-up and then we will be off for the first week of january And then we'll be back after that for a whole Uh month of episodes. So only one week without us. I hope you can all survive. I hope so. (laughs) But then we'll be back at it again for next year. We've got wonderful things planned. If you do not know, we plan the podcast episodes like pretty much a year and a half in advance. True. We start (laughs) filling it in as soon as we have ideas for it. Yep. So it's looking like a great year already. The forecast is wonderful. Forecast (laughs) is wonderful. First episode of the year is already going to be a great one. I'm already looking forward to it. So don't forget about us in the new year. Definitely come back, make a resolution to learn more about women in the arts and music and everything else and Mm -hmm. how they relate to all of us today. Well, without any further ado, I have the pleasure of talking about Brenda Lee today. And if you don't know who Brenda Lee is off the top of your head, you do know her Christmas song, which is Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. A classic, a true classic. And this year, for the very first time, it hit number one on Billboard, surpassed Mariah Carey's, at least Mariah Carey's song did hit number one (laughs) a couple of times this year. But (laughs) Brenda Lee's Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, it hit number one. And doing so made her the oldest, not just woman, but person ever to have a number one on the top of the Billboard chart as a 78-year-old. I don't know if you're going to talk about this later, but why do you think it hit number one this year? I will talk about it. Okay. I can, we can talk about it right now if you want to. Yeah. Okay. A funny thing that I've been seeing online is that we know that fandoms can be toxic online. What? Shocker. And so some people on Twitter were a little angry that she got the number one because they felt like it was like the record label like they were just like pushing it and paying for streams and like putting her on all the playlists because they wanted her to get the number one 
And like from my, personally, I don't think she's taking anything away from Mariah Carey. No. Mariah Carey has ha- pretty much has her number one set for every December. Yeah. In the foreseeable future. What I think made this year so much of an occasion is that it was the 65 year anniversary of it. And oh. so they started pushing the song a lot more. They made a new music video with Brenda Lee lip syncing to her older version of okay. it. So really, really pushing the song. I know last year it hit number two. So mm-hmm. I think they were like, all right, we got to try and hit number one. So they made an occasion of it. They had Brenda Lee making TikTok videos. They had her very involved in social media as well. Like they were fully promoting this song. For some reason, certain areas of Stan Twitter took that as them getting the number one unfairly, which is insane because yeah, promotion. That's crazy. <laughs> you get number one sometimes by doing promotion and that yeah. doesn't take away the earned nope. number one. That's good old fashioned marketing. That's just good old fashioned marketing. And they did a really good job at it. Yeah, I think they had an end goal in mind. And I don't know if it's just that like her song slowly started moving up the charts as as a cemented classic of Christmas. It's just one that people always go back to. For me, it's a Christmas classic for sure. Her voice is just very nostalgic. I think we've mentioned it like offhand. Mm -hmm. I support all women, but I'm not the biggest fan of Mariah Carey. (laughs) So I just think really as good as that song is, sometimes I just really enjoy the fact that another one is there. We can celebrate another Christmas song. Another woman. Yeah. Plus, like, every child choir ever learned that song growing up. And I have yet to hear a very good children's choir rendition of of Mariah Carey's songs. I think that's so valid. (laughs) Another way that I have had the opportunity of enjoying Brenda Lee's art. I found a playlist on Spotify that I loved. And it's just called Dark Femininity, Female Hysteria. And I was preparing myself because I knew I had a songwriting session coming up that I wanted to name the song Hysteria. And so I was like, all right, let's listen to some songs that are currently about hysteria and just see what's out there. And there was a song on the playlist called Emotions by Brenda Lee with lyrics just like emotions. What are you doing to me? Oh, don't you know? Don't you know you'll be my ruin? You've got me crying, crying. When will you let this heartache end? Emotions, you've got me upset. Why make me remember what I want to forget? I've been lonely, lonely too long. Just a woman fully in her emotions, just singing about her sorrow and embracing that sorrow. So an empowering song in a way. Definitely. Yeah. I'm so excited to listen to that playlist as well. You definitely should. I'm going to share the playlist on our Instagram it's not like a Spotify playlist by any means but I feel like a lot of times like I'll look up like oh like feminine rage playlists and they're all a little repetitive Mm -hmm. and they're all pretty much just like current pop musics that are pop music that's about female rage or female anger but this one had a huge variety of songs just from all different time periods and I thought that it was like I don't know it was it really fully encapsulated I feel like I learned a lot and I don't know, I was just like, oh my gosh, women have been angry and have been singing about it so much forever, longer. Yeah, that I was like, <laughs> oh, when you think of like the 50s or the 60s, you're not thinking about like women rage songs, but they were there. there. And so yeah. it's a good playlist. No, I've been trying to make a really good feminine rage playlist. So I feel mm-hmm. like this is going to help with that a lot. Oh yeah, you'll find a lot that you would not have even thought of. So I'm so glad. Would recommend. And I loved that I was preparing for this Brenda Lee episode and I stumbled upon her woman rage song 
Yeah, that's awesome. Let's talk about Brenda. She was actually born Brenda May Tarpley, but though, of course, is known professionally as Brenda Lee. She is an American singer. She is primarily performed rockabilly, pop, country, and then, of course, Christmas music. She achieved her first Billboard hit when she was 12 years old in 1957 and was given the name Little Miss Dynamite. And she just really had a string of hits. That's what, like, with a lot of the information I was finding her, it was like, and then this song went number 10, and then this song went number 5, and then this song, like, she was just, like, pumping hit after hit throughout the 60s. Wow. We were talking about, before we started recording, because Stani went to the Billy Joel and the Stevie Nicks concert, and so we were like, oh, who is the modern-day equivalent because we forget how big people are. Or like, we just like, don't know because we weren't alive when they were at their prime. And it made me think a little bit about Brenda Lee because now she's just known, I think, at the forefront of our mind as the woman who sings rocking around the Christmas tree. Yeah, definitely. But like when I was reading through everything, I was like, oh my gosh, she was topping the charts constantly, like every song. And she started out at such a young age that I was just like, it's crazy that she's not, in the public sphere, lauded as such the icon that she really was and still is, of course. But yeah, it was just, it's just interesting the way that some people are able to like maintain their icon status and others, for some reason, it it doesn't stick in their legacy. That's so insane to me to think about that it's like, Mm -hmm. I cannot name a single one of her songs besides, no. were you familiar with any of them when you looked through it? Uh -uh, I wasn't really familiar with any of them. I listened to them and and maybe that's what, maybe it's just like her songs haven't been used in movies to like stay in the forefront of like oh, culture consciousness. That's a because good point. I think a lot of times the licensing of music and the way it is still continued to be used is what helps music stay relevant. And we talked about like even to Holly Parton and one of, she was really good at making sure her songs stayed relevant or that she yeah. stayed relevant by being involved in younger projects. No, that's Who crazy. knows? Like maybe it wasn't a priority to her. I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes that plays a big role in how at least their legacy continues on but uh, to talk though even more about her success uh, she has sold over 100 million records globally she is one of the most successful american artists of the 20th century her u.s success in the 1960s earned her recognitions as billboard top female artist of the decade and one of the four artists who charted the most singles behind elvis the beatles and ray charles what Yeah, she was like popular, popular, popular. She was like popular, popular, popular. The person who was the woman of the decade last decade was Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And Brenda Lee was was the Taylor Swift of the 60s, hit-wise. So like Brenda Lee's modern equivalent is Taylor Swift. You know what? I think there's an argument for that. As I continue on, I will discuss even more why perhaps Brenda Lee is indeed the Taylor Swift of the 60s. Okay. Yeah, and the fact that it was like, Ray Charles, Elvis, and the Beatles, and then her. Yeah. Okay. Three of those names are very alive in public consciousness. Mm -hmm. And the one that isn't is a woman. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a coincidence. I I don't know. Yeah, that feels wrong. I'm like, Mm -hmm. how can you be that popular and then just poof? (laughs) I know. I guess like we're saying, oh, poof about the woman who is now the oldest person to ever have a billboard. But like beyond that, you know, it's just like her songs aren't as well-known beyond just this Christmas song. So interesting. I've been listening to Stevie Nicks and Billy Joel all week. I'm going to have to go on a Brenda Lee kick. Go on a Brenda Lee kick. Yeah. It is very much like 
classic 60s, not like 60s rock or like alt. Mm-hmm. So, but you'll listen. I love her. She's got a classic so, voice. So classic 60s pop music, mm-hmm. you could say? Perhaps. Yeah. A little bit more about her success. She's actually the first woman to be inducted into both the Country Music Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So just to really capitalize That's on how crazy <laughs> successful this woman is. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So from where she came from. So she was born December 11th, 1944, actually in the charity ward of Emory University Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, her parents were very poor. Her parents' names were Annie Grace and Reuben Lindsay Tarpley. She attended grade school wherever her father found work that primarily was between Atlanta and Augusta. But like I mentioned, her father was really poor. As a child, she would share a bed with her brother and sister in a series of homes without running water. And pretty much their life centered on her parents finding work, their family, and the Baptist church, where she actually began singing solos every Sunday. So she got her start singing in church. Another thing that just, I think, showcases the poverty they were in is their family didn't have any indoor plumbing until after her father's death. But the one thing they did have was a battery-powered table radio uh, Mm. that really fascinated her from a really young age. This is a cute story where both her mother and her sister remembered taking her to a local candy store before she turned three. And one of them would stand her on the counter and she would sing to earn coins for candy. Cute. So just from a very early age, she was very fascinated with music. She was performing, whether that was at church or in order to get candy from the candy store. A natural born performer. She like started from a very, very young age. So at age five, she won first place at her school's talent show contest, which I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, so when she was in kindergarten, very, very young, uh, where she sang, take me out to the ball game. And her performance at this school talent show, though, I guess got enough buzz that led her to making regular appearances on local radio and television shows. From a school talent show? That's what I'm like, how did that go from one to the other? But like, (laughs) I wonder if it just started like like a really small local radio station. Mm. And then it was like, wait, who is this girl? That's so adorable. And she sounds really good. And then other radio stations. And then eventually the TV program was like, she's good (laughs) and adorable. Let's get her on. on That's kind of an interesting thing to think about, like back in the days of like local radio Mm -hmm. and television shows. They probably in a small town, they didn't have that much talent to pull from. Yeah. So if there's like a kid that's really good at singing, you're like, get him on. Get we him don't on. have anything else to like, do. We got to call the station <laughs> yeah. higher than us. Tell her to get on and like get some pride in our, yeah. in our little small city. I know she grew up in Atlanta a lot, but I'm sure it was like the surrounding areas of Atlanta mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Uh, her father actually ended up passing away in 1953 when she was only eight years old um, in a construction accident, oh. tragically. And so actually, though, by the time she turned 10, She was the primary breadwinner of her family through singing at events and on local radio and television shows. So, yeah, I'm like 10 years old and having to basically be the caretaker for your family. That's too young. And then during that time, she appeared regularly on the country music show TV Ranch in Atlanta. This is cute. So she was so short because she was literally a child (laughs) that the host would lower a stand microphone as low as it would go, but then stand her up on a wooden crate to reach it. So just really shows how young she was, though. In 1955, so this is when she's 10, Grace Tarpley was remarried and then the family moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. Grace Tarpley is her mother, by the way. And then he worked at the Jimmy Skinner Music Center. And then Brenda Lee performed with... Jimmy Skinner at the record shop on two Saturday, pro- Saturday programs broadcast 
over Newport, Kentucky. Um, and it was the radio station WNOP. So again, just earning her living, doing local the local radio station grind, I guess. Um, and then the family then returned to Georgia where she appeared on the show, The Peach Blossom Special. I'm saying these radio shows like I know what they are, but I'm imagining yeah, they were just established local radio shows. The Georgia Peach Radio Show. We all know what you're talking about. Of course. What else (laughs) would she be performing on, though? (laughs) All right. But then her breakthrough. So this is when her career starts becoming a little bit more relevant. So in February of 1955, she's 10 still, Mm -hmm. for context, or I guess maybe 11 at this point. But she actually turned down $30, which was $334 in today's value. She turned down one of these radio station appearances to see Red Foley, who was on a touring promotional unit for his ABC TV program, Ozark Jubilee. And then the disc jockey in Augusta, he persuaded him, Red Foley, to hear Brenda Lee sing before the show. He did and then agreed to let her perform the song Jambalaya on stage that night unrehearsed. And then this is what he said about that moment. Quote, I still get cold chills thinking about the first time I heard that voice. One foot started patting rhythms as though she was stomping out a prairie fire, but not another muscle in that little body even as much as twitched. And when she did that trick of breaking her voice, it jarred me out of my trance enough to realize I'd forgotten to get off the stage. There I stood after 26 years of supposedly learning how to conduct myself in front of an audience with my out with my mouth open two miles wide and a glassy stare in my eyes. Wow. So just a natural. On March 31st, 1955, she made her network debut on Ozark Jubilee in Springfield, Missouri. And then side note. So she had a five year contract that was made with them to perform with them. That contract actually ended up being broken by 1955 from a lawsuit brought by her mother and her manager, but she still would make regular appearances on the program throughout its run. I don't know what happened exactly. Yeah, interesting. But that's where she got, I'm sure she was getting a lot more money too from that. And then in July, on July 30th of 1956, Decca Records offered her a contract and her first record was Jambalaya, that song that she first did on stage while they were all on tour, um, backed with Bigelow 6200. And then her second single featured two novelty Christmas tunes, I'm Gonna Lasso Santa Claus and Christy Christmas. And huh, Right from this, the beginning. Right from the beginning, she was doing Christmas music. And then she turned 12 that year. Oh, this is so funny. So even though she was turning 12, both of those first two singles credit her as Little Brenda Lee in parentheses, nine years old. So they were gay. Again, marketing. (laughs) They were slightly fibbing to help her sell some records. But regardless of the fact that she was actually 12, that's still very impressive. It's so Um, young. Neither of those releases did very well. They didn't chart. But then her first issue in 1957 that was called One Step at a Time, written by someone named Hugh Ashley, it became a hit in the both pop and country fields. And then her next hit, Dynamite, led her to her lifelong nickname, Little Miss Dynamite. Um, she first attracted attention performing in country music venues and shows. But what was interesting is that her label and management felt it best to market her exclusively as a pop artist. And the result of that is that none of her best known recordings from 
the 60s were released to country radio. And despite her country sound, her top Nashville session and her with top Nashville session people, she did not have another country hit until 1969 with Johnny One Time. So again, there's a little bit of a Taylor Swift parallel with the country to pop crossover. What's unique here is the fact that the record label was pushing her to be pop when that obviously didn't happen with Taylor Swift. Yeah. So thought that she kind of had the opposite problem. For the opposite problem. Yes. Yeah. Even though, like, I think that her sound fits country just very well. I mean, she still was obviously very successful in the pop world. Yeah. But apparently, apparently <laughs> she achieved her biz- biggest success on the pop charts in the late 1950s through the mid 1960s with a rockabilly and rock and roll styled songs. Her biggest hits included Jambalaya, Sweet Nothings, I Want to Be Wanted, which hit number one, All Alone Am I, which hit number three, and Fool, which hit number three. And so she had more hits with pop-based songs. Again, seven, eight songs that are all in the top five. That's a lot of songs. It's a lot of songs. Oh, this is another crazy stat. So she had a total of nine consecutive top 10 Billboard Hot 100 hits. From That's All You Gotta Do in 1960 through All Alone Am I in 1962, which set a record for a female solo artist that was not equaled until 1986 by Madonna. These are insane records to be beating and then I know. Or setting, I guess, not even beating. She was setting them. She was setting these <laughs> records that like the only people who touched these records that she set are like the huge, huge icons. But she was the first icon. Yeah, that's crazy. Hold on. Okay, so I've got to wrap my brain around this. Nine consecutive top 10 Billboard Hot 100 hits. It's like every song she released hit. That's what I'm thinking. I'm assuming that it maybe wasn't like albums. It was just like single after single Mm. after single, which is what they were pushing, especially in the late 50s into the 60s. And consecutively, all of those singles went to the top 10. Okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But the biggest selling track of her career was a Christmas song in 1958 when she was 13 years old. Producer Owen Bradley asked her to record a song by Johnny Marks, who had success writing Christmas tunes for country singers. Most notably, Johnny Marks wrote Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and A Holly Jolly Christmas, which is... Love them both. Very classic. She recorded the song Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree in July with Hank Garland playing the guitar, which is classic guitar part it's rocking around the christmas tree yeah um and a sax solo by a nashville session boots randolph which i just think is a great name love a sax player in nashville i agree i feel like every musician in nashville should have a name like that boots randolph absolutely again i just want to point out she was 13 years old like that song that we are hearing that is 13 year old brenda lee Okay, rocking around the Christmas Hold on. tree. That's tripping me up because now that I think about it, her voice sounds so mature. Mm, it's crazy. It sounds like a full grown woman. Yeah, but she was 13. Mm. What's wow. crazy is that so the record label released it as a single that November, but it only sold 5,000 copies and it didn't do that much better when they tried to release it again the next year. However, over the years, it eventually sold more than 5 million copies. And then since 2017, the song has appeared at the end of each year on the Billboard Hot 100, having spent, as of December 9th, 2023, this is a very relevant episode as far (laughs) as how recent these stats have been updated, 54 weeks on the Hot 100, peaking at number one in 2023. 
hold on. I didn't really Google this, but I'm going to see if there's like a reason why. I feel oh, like- I know why. <laughs> I know why. Oh, yes. I The reason why it hit such a resurgence. It was used in Home Alone in 1990. That's right. He had the people dancing and that was the song that was playing to trick the burglars. There you go. Licensed in a movie. That's what did it. It was licensed. Exactly. It's always being licensed in a movie that does it. So, okay. I can't believe I didn't check that earlier. No, you're good. That makes perfect sense. Yep. It was used in Home Alone. And then I think that really cemented it because that movie is just a Christmas classic. Yeah, a Christmas classic for sure. Mm -hmm. I think another fun thing about Christmas music is that if you're able to, if you're popular enough that they will add your song into the rotation, mm-hmm. it like becomes a Christmas classic. Yes. And then you're mm-hmm. basically guaranteed to have that played every year. Like it's kind of this weird thing, like some people will release full albums of Christmas music and not a single one of them hits. But then mm-hmm. like Ariana Grande, release, tell me? yes. Mm-hmm. And now that one's just added into the rotation. So yep. it's kind of that weird thing that it's like, if you manage to get in there, if you, you get got, that song. Yeah. You've got like a repeated hit on your hands for years and years and years to come. Yeah. Duh. There we go. It was Home Alone. I totally forgot about it. But even still with that, it started in 2017. And I think that's maybe like when the 90s kids who had grown up watching Home Alone and seeing it, it's like when they reached adulthood and then it was mm. nostalgic for them to listen to it that I wonder yeah. if that's maybe when it got even more. Definitely. People love nostalgia. What? Let's be honest. They definitely do. I remember hearing it my whole life. I cannot think oh, of a too. year without that song being Absolutely at least not. part of it. Yep. And then, so yeah, that was that's her biggest song. Absolutely. 1960, she recorded, I guess, another signature song called I'm Sorry. But the record initially was withheld for months before its release due to its concern that the 15-year-old Lee wouldn't understand what she was singing about. So... How I mean, upsetting was this song? It's this like tragic, like, I'm sorry, so sorry that I was such a fool. I didn't know love could be so cruel. You tell me mistakes are part of being young, but that don't right the wrong that's been done. So please accept my apology, but love is blind. And I was blind to see, oh, yes. It's just this like love, like, I'm so sorry, yeah. please forgive me. But she was 15, so I guess they're like, huh. Just pretty intense emotions, potentially, for a 15-year-old. Who has more intense emotions than a 15-year-old girl? Valid. Mm-hmm. So interesting, though, because I'm like, why were we not concerned that she was too young to be worked this hard the whole time? But for some yeah. reason, that song was the one that they were clutching their pearls of, like, maybe she's too young for this. Honestly, it does freak me out that her most popular song was recorded at 13, and that's the one that is played every single year and that she's known for. That's yeah. weird. That's, she was so young. <laughs> Your entire career being built off of a song that came out when you were 13 years old. But it's honestly comes full circle and very poetic that now she's the oldest woman to reach number one. Yeah. Or oldest person, period. Like, that that feels like justice in a way. I wonder who the youngest person is. Blue Ivy, technically. Okay, but before that, it was Stevie Wonder at yeah. 13. But Brenda Lee wasn't well, So she her. wasn't the youngest I don't think that song hit number one, though, when she was 13. It was just recorded when she was 13. Yeah, so it would be Stevie Wonder at 13. So if Mm -hmm. it would have hit the top 100, she would have tied. And then she would have been the youngest. If it would have been number one, that's all right. That would have been crazy. We'll change history. We'll go back. We'll retroactively. (laughs) We'll start campaigning for that song hardcore. (laughs) Find some way. That's what I'll do if I have a time machine. That's what yeah. I'll change. Yeah, be like, go back and play Rocky Around the Christmas Tree. They'd be like, why is that so important to you? It's so important. It's so important. 
Anyways, okay, so that song, I'm sorry, it became one of the biggest hits of 1960. It reached the number one chart in the U.S., and it was her first gold single and was nominated for a Grammy. So another interesting thing, so it was not released as a country song, but it was among the very first big hits to use what was to become the Nashville sound, which is like a string orchestra, harmonized background vocals. I think just if you think of like typical classic, it like reminds me a little bit of like Patsy Cline. You know? Okay. And I think like that was all happening right around the same time. So like classy country. Classy country. And then Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree was finally noticed in its third release a few months later. And the sales grew for that and now, of course, remains. So I just think it was funny that they released it three Decembers in a row. But then after, of course, she had this huge big hit, people were a lot more aware of her. And then the song hit. And then now, obviously, that's the song it is today. Her last top 10 single on the pop charts in the U.S., besides, of course, the reoccurring ones, was in 1963 with her song Losing You's. Losing You, which is when she's 18 years old. Honestly, that is crazy that like you have all this success before you're even before you're even 18 years old. I'm sorry. That's got to be traumatizing. That's what I was just thinking. And honestly, (laughs) now that I'm thinking about it, it makes sense because she does do stuff in the 70s and 80s, but like not a lot. And I was like, oh, there's this weird gap missing from her history. But part of me was like, if you do that much as a child, like I would understand if you're like, I'm good. I'm done. Yeah. I get the success I needed to. I'm going to go live a quiet life. Maybe That makes sense. That's probably why maybe she didn't campaign so hard for her career to continue. Maybe she was just done. Yeah, which is very valid. Definitely. Um, during the early 1970s, though, she reestablished herself as a country music artist. In a 1996 memoir, there was a television producer, Sam Luvelo. He said that Lee's 1972 appearance on his variety show Hee Haw had been instrumental to her comeback. And then she earned a string of top 10 hits in the United States on the country charts. The first was which was 1973's Nobody Went. Her last hit was 1963. It sounds like there was a lull in the career after this. But then when she came back to country about 10 years later is when she hit her top 10. This is just another really fun thing is that in 1982 album, The Winning Hand, that was featuring Brenda Lee along with Dolly Parton. Chris Christopherson and Willie Nelson. It was a surprise hit and it reached the top 10 on the U.S. country album charts, which I love that. Wasn't when we were doing research for Dolly Parton, I think I sent you the title of an article that it was like Dolly Parton's childhood idol was Brenda Lee. That checks out then from what we've been reading. Uh Yeah, she was like so excited to meet her and everything and that makes a lot of sense. So Dolly Parton was a huge Brenda Lee fan. It's like the Taylor Swift pipeline to like all of the little songwriters now that are right. like talking about how she's their icon. Yep. And I mean, same. Um, and then her last well-known hit was 1984. There was a song that she did, Hallelujah, I Love Her So, and it was a duet with George Jones. I mean, I think it's cool she was still making music, but mm-hmm. it definitely was no longer in that prime. I mean, it's sad that like she hit her prime at 18 just because I think I don't know. It just feels gross of the fact that they were obviously really overworking her as a child. Oh, But yeah. she was still was very involved in music and was putting out music throughout the 70s and the 80s. Just, I think, was singing what she wanted to, at least with leaning back into country music rather than the pop mm-hmm. angle that her record label wanted to be involved in. Makes sense. She actually put out an autobiography, which I'm very interested in reading, called Little Miss Dynamite, The Life and Times of Brenda Lee, that was published in 2022. And then since... 
that like the 2000s she's really been involved with her work for the country music hall of fame and museum which i think is really cool she obviously stayed very involved in the music business and music scene i think she's just been doing more involved in the background and like in october 4th the 2000s she inducted fellow country music legends baron young and charlie pride into the country music hall of fame and she's often called upon to announce the annual inductees to the country music hall of fame and then officially present them with their membership at a special ceremony every year and she most recently did that in 2016 when she announced Randy Travis, Charles Daniels, and Fred Foster in 2016. So awesome. Very active and a part of that personal life. So she met Ronnie Shacklett in November of 1962 at a concert by Bo Diddley and Jackie Wilson hosted at Nashville's Fairgrounds Coliseum. And they married less than six months later. Oh, on April 24th and 1963. Um, and they have two daughters together, jo Jolie and Julie. But Julie is actually named after Patsy Cline's daughter. Cute. They were friends with yeah. Patsy Cline. And they have three grandchildren together, Taylor Jordan and Charlie. So they got married in 1963 and have been, I think, married ever since. So that is so that was cute. wholesome. I know. Something to be said for early Hollywood where people did stay married. <laughs> well, that is quite cute in some scenarios not Listen, in all but i am a sucker for yeah whenever i marry a couple i'm like oh you've been married since 1963 and you're still married it's I'm, just the sweatest thing in the world the like sweetest you thing. really love each other i know like you found i mean i hope that's the case but yeah. i would imagine hopefully that yeah they didn't love each other especially with. like well, in Dolly Parton, too, because we talked about her That's and true. Brenda Lee's case, it's like the fact that they're both independently wealthy. Like they don't That's necessarily true. have to stay married. So then it's like, must really like them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's very wholesome. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about Rocking Around the Christmas Tree in case I missed any of the facts. But what I thought was interesting is so Billboard, it actually modified its rules in 2012, where like, have a recurrent rules so i think before it was like oh if it was like coming back they wouldn't let it chart again but they changed that rule oh. so that if it was recurring it could come back i don't know the yeah. specifics of the rule but because of that rock and around the christmas tree has regularly returned to the hot 100 since 2015 i don't think it hit top 10 until 2017 and then hot 100 chart dated december 21st of 2019 it reached the new peak of number three in the United States with 37.1 million streams and 5,000 digital copies sold. And then the following week, it moved up to two where it remained for a second week. And then from 2000 to 2000, 2019 to 2022, it kept re-peaking at number two that kept getting blocked from the top position by Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas yeah. Is You. And then, like I mentioned, to celebrate the song's 65th anniversary, she released a music video for the song that featured her lip syncing. And I forgot to mention this. It was like a house party with Tanya Tucker and Trisha Yearwood, which are country icons, as a tribute to the song. And then she also joined TikTok to promote the song where she posts videos reminiscing about her song's history and success. So Cute. you can go follow Brenda Lee on TikTok. And then, yeah, it hit number one on December 9th of 2023. I mentioned she was the oldest person to hit it. So she was 78 and she became... The oldest female artist and just oldest artist overall to top the 100. Formerly, those records were held by Cher and Louis Armstrong, respectively. Wow. So more icons. Yeah. But then what I think is so funny is the following week, she hit, she held the number one spot 
which also means that she surpassed her own age record because she turned <laughs> 79 on December 16th of 2023. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So she beat her own record because she just so happened to have a birthday and it kept that number one status, which <laughs> that's I think awesome. is very, very fun. Oh, um, so just some recognition, more things. So she celebrating over 50 years as a recording artist in September 2006. She was the second recipient of the Joe Meter Walker Lifetime Achievement Award by the Source Foundation in Nashville. In 1997, she was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame and is a member of the Rockabilly Hall of Fame and the Hit Parade Hall of Fame. And then in 2008, her recording of Rock Around the Christmas Tree marked 50 years as a holiday standard. And in February of 2009, I didn't. Um, the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences gave Lee a Lifetime Achievement Grammy Award. And then in 2023, Rolling Stones just put out an article ranking all of the best singers. And they ranked her as number 161 on its list of the 200 greatest singers of all time. There you go. So, Brenda Lee, everybody. That's amazing. Like I said, an argument can be made that she was Taylor Swift of the 60s. Except so, more child star. Except more child star. So Which, a little bit more tragic. Yeah. Well, the... Taylor Swift's parents held off a little bit longer. A little bit, yes. At least yeah. she was like 16, 17 when she got super started. But. Yeah. And then teen before it really got crazy mm -hmm. instead of 12 and 13. Can you imagine? That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, a lot of pressure. So there is Brenda Lee. I'm sure it, you know, there's so much more to learn about her. She's still alive. There's an autobiography that I am interested in reading. And you can go follow Brenda Lee on TikTok. Love so, that. So I did see a video that was just really cute of them being like, guess what? Like it hit, you hit number one. And she was just very excited. Cute. Brenda Lee official. There she is. Oh my gosh. Here she is. Look at how small she is. She's so cute. Oh. She looks like how I imagine Mrs. Claus would look. That is so accurate. Yeah. Brenda Lee just performed Rocking Around the Christmas Tree live like it's 1958. I want to know. December 8th, 2023. Oh. oh, it was NBC's Christmas at the Opry special. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. The whole I'll crowd was dancing. So yeah, there's been a lot of TikTok content made with Brenda Lee. If she's adorable. She go is. Go follow her. And yeah, we love it. Love it so much. I'm glad that they made the push. It helped her get number one. Definitely. I think that should be a thing, especially with like TikTok. Like we talked about Kate Bush charting after such a long time. Oh, yeah. There's been other songs. Like I'm glad Billboard opened it up to older music, mm -hmm. being able to chart. I think it's important to recognize like how older songs can be culturally relevant. Yeah. Chart long after. Yeah. They've been written based on different things. That's mm -hmm. a really important aspect Which, of music. Now that you bring up Kate Bush again, it was a TV show placement. Yeah. And also, I think Bohemian Rhapsody, the only reason why that song's iconic is because it had a major movie placement. So, oh, wasn't it like Bill and Ted or yeah. something? Uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. I'm like, I don't remember. That song is a song of my childhood. But yeah. Yep. <laughs> but the reason why is because, yeah, mm -hmm. the song was in the movie. So. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's an important thing, like letting songs and I come think back it helps paint a picture sometimes of what's actually going on in culture and songs are coming through again definitely shout them out yeah no i'm glad that's an important thing i know I love good it. for billboard way to go good for billboard and good for brenda lee yes getting some 
recognition that she so rightly deserves after people have forgotten how much of an icon she was. Agreed. And there's just something to be said about watching an older woman just shine in doing what she does. I just love it so much. Love it. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get a Brenda Lee Christmas album in the next little bit. So who knows? People can be inspired to do things. Very true. It would be great. So instead of doing our artist spotlights in the middle of the episode, we're going to start doing them at the end. Mm -hmm. So before you go, if you're interested in following more artists on Instagram and TikTok, we love finding people to follow. It makes your feed all cute and aesthetic and fun. Mm -hmm. And here's just a few of our favorites we've been really enjoying this week. And we'll do this every week. Yeah. I found an illustrator named Shay O'Connor, and her Instagram username is designed by Shay, and that's S-H-E-A. She actually has quite a few followers, <laughs> but she's an illustrator and designer, and she has this really cute vintage style. Um, I ran across her on the For You page. She was making these women with, like, little trees on their heads in, like, a vintage style. Yeah. And it's just cute and perfect. And I just, I don't know why, but like vintage, like kitschy Christmas. It's the best gets way me to every do time. Christmas. Like yeah. I saw someone talking about the fact that they just hate that people are trying to make Christmas classy because uh, it's yeah. not like it's just cheesy and tinsel. That's and, the point. Yeah. yeah. And like Christmas is supposed to be just really cringy in a lot of ways. Like yeah. that's what makes it Christmas. Mm-hmm. So. I love leaning into kind of the vintage aspects of that around that time of year. But she has a lot of other stuff, too. She actually did uh, Taylor Swift in her style for the Times Person of the Year, too. And it's quite adorable. So I love it. Go check her out for sure. Okay, today I'm going to be shouting out the Instagram is Days Full Of. And I just love my Instagram Explorer page sometimes, and especially during the holiday season. Because I feel like there's just so many cute people who are designing the cutest little things I agree. for the holidays. But um, this is done by De- Deanna. And it's Art for Joy, which is the Instagram caption. They do murals, lettering, illustration, and more. She's in San Diego and in New York City. And yeah, she just has the cutest lettering, cutest illustration. Very vibrant, joyful. Just, I love it. So cute. And she, yeah, she does branding as well. And that's so fun. It's adorable. Yep. So a good account to follow if you just want more bright and colorful things to fill up your feed. Oh, I love her Christmas stuff. I know. I love that we're meant to be. Oh, my goodness. So cute. I know. I love it, too. So shout out for Days Full Of, which I'm assuming Days Full Of Joy, perhaps. Hopefully. I don't know. But anyways. Go check her out. Lettering and illustration. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of More Than a Muse. We'll be back next week, of course, with another artist. Until then, enjoy your holidays. Safe travels if you're traveling. And we love you. Thanks for being here. We do. We love you. And if you're feeling generous this holiday season, leave a rating and review. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram. We're also on TikTok. Share with a friend to listen to another episode you haven't checked out yet. And... We can't wait to be a part of the end of this year and your next year as well. (laughs) For real. Amazing. Bye. See you you later. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.